The second paper in this panel is by Dr. Joshua Walden of Merton College, Oxford. The paper is entitled Sonic Sources in the Study of Bela Bartok's Romanian Folk Dances. In 1912, the Hungarian composer and ethnographer Bela Bartok traveled to a rural town in Romania where he asked a duo of violinists to perform dance music into the trumpet of a wax cylinder phonograph. Bartok arranged one of their melodies for piano solo in 1915, naming it Jocul Cubita after the genre of the original dance, and selected it as the first of six movements of his piano solo, Romanian Folk Dances. He adapted Romanian Folk Dances for string orchestra, and it was soon published in a new arrangement for violin and piano duet by his frequent collaborator in performance and composition, the violinist Zoltan Seke. Bartok performed the work on piano in a number of live performances and recorded it in its solo version as well as in duet with the violinist Joseph Sigidi for Columbia Records in 1930. Thus, a dance melody played in a fleeting performance in a rural town made the long journey to an urban listener's phonograph collection. Early technologies of sound recording played an integral role in every step of this process. The wax cylinder phonograph was the first portable recording device sufficiently durable for ethnographic research. Sound entered the trumpet, causing a diaphragm to vibrate, which triggered a needle to carve into the wax on a cylinder rota rotated by a hand crank. The recording is played back using the same mechanisms, but the technology was sensitive, causing the cylinder to degrade with each playback. Bartok used the wax cylinder phonograph to collect the sounds he encountered during his fieldwork and as the source of both academic transcriptions and compositional interpretations. These same wax cylinders were an important tool in his collaborations with violinists Seke and Sigidi. Professional studio recording was the primary medium by which Bartok's compositions could be heard around the world and the sounds of his piano playing reach our ears today. So in the spirit of the theme, Beyond Text, this paper investigates materials stored in sound archives to understand what we can learn about Bartok's compositions and performances from the sonic sources left behind along this trail from the initial event of the rural performance to the listener's sitting room turntable. Bartok became interested in ethnography during his first encounter with the ethnographer and composer Zoltan Kodai in 1905. He soon became one of Hungary's premier ethnomusicologists. His fieldwork began in 1906 when he traveled to the north of the country to collect ethnic Slovak folk music. But before his research was effectively put on hold by the events of World War I, Bartok had traveled around Greater Hungary and beyond its borders, reaching as far as Transylvania to the east and North Africa to the south. The field of ethnography became a means through which Kodai and Bartok hoped to revolutionize music and effect social change. In his field work, Bartok employed the wax cylinder phonograph because, he would write, the machine provided the only medium with which an ethnographer could accomplish, quote, his ideal aim, the elimination of the subjective element, end quote. It was critical to Bartok that he communicate the scientific character of their project in order to achieve their artistic and political goals, and this was in large part aided by his extensive pioneering use of the phonograph. Since the time of its invention, the phonograph was associated with the goal of creating a precise representation of sonic reality. When photography was introduced in the middle of the 19th century, it was viewed by many as a medium capable of depicting the world as it appears before the eyes, and the phonograph, similarly, was believed to represent sounds with objective accuracy. In each case, the medium was often perceived to recede into the background, leaving only the visual and aural evidence it provided. Thomas Edison's aim in inventing the phonograph was to produce a machine capable of recording sound with the utmost fidelity. 
In the, 19, in the 1888 article, The Perfected Phonograph, Edison explained, quote, the most skillful observers, listeners, and realistic novelists, or even stenographers, cannot reproduce a conversation exactly as it occurred. But the phonograph receives and then transmits to our ears again every last thing that was said, exactly as it was said, with the faultless fidelity of an instantaneous photograph. We shall now for the first time know what a conversation really is, just as we have learned only within a few years through the instantaneous photograph what attitudes are taken by the horse in motion." End quote. So the phonograph was thus viewed as a tool of scientific study, which ethnographers began employing as early as 1889. Enthusiasm for the phonograph's portability and apparent utility as an objective research tool, combined with the fear that rural communities were disappearing with the rise of urbanization, initiated an intensified interest in capturing and categorizing ethnic music genres throughout Europe. The notion of research objectivity has more recently been challenged, however, and most, most ethnomusicologists today concur that it is an unattainable goal, uh, even with the use of recording technologies. Such elements as the location of the phonograph trumpet or microphone in relation to the performer, the off-record instructions of the ethnographer or the producer, the rapid erosion of wax cylinders, and the decisions of studio editors all mediate the context and content of the original sound event before it reaches the listener. For Bartok, the fruits of his ethnographic research served as a rich source of inspiration for composition. In Romanian folk dances, Bartok adapted the dances he collected in Transylvania, originally performed on violin and furuya, a transverse flute. In notating these melodies, he reduced their ornamentation, modified rhythmic and metric characteristics, and added harmonic accompaniment. By naming the movements after the genres of his source music, However, Bartok implies to the listener that they are actual examples of these Romanian folk dances rather than representations of such in another musical idiom. But in fact, the differences between the compositions and their models are significant. So this is demonstrated by a comparison of the original wax cylinder field recordings of the folk song uh, with the disc of Bartok's piano performance of the per first movement of Romanian folk dances. So we'll listen first to the original wax cylinder field recording he made during his research. And next, we'll listen to pia uh, Bartok's piano performance of his arrangement of this same tune. So in the fieldwork recording, one violinist plays the melody while the other plays close harmonies on three strings at once. And we also hear voices, somebody shouting along. Bartok makes three significant kinds of changes in his representation of the original sonic event. First, he changes the texture of the music, though mainly retaining this sort of umpa accompaniment pattern. Second, he evokes an, effect, an affect of nostalgic melancholy by choosing to emphasize the key of A minor that is only alluded to but never heard in the original transcription's harmonies. And third, he draws out the modal quality of the original, accentuating the music's seeming difference from traditional Western art music. This combination of traits recalls Bartok's descriptions found throughout his early ethnomusicological essays of folk music as pure, and uninformed by neighboring musical styles, and simple yet with a transcendent metaphysical expressive power, the opposite of what he considered to be the frivolous popular music performed by Romani musicians in the cafes of Budapest. Although he was meticulous to calculate the precise speeds of the performances he recorded during his fieldwork, Bartok prescribes in the score a significantly slower speed in his composition than he originally heard, increasing the apparent simplicity and straightforwardness of the music and emphasizing its lilting, song-like quality over its quick dance step. 
1921, Kodai introduced Bartok to Seike, and the two began a performing partnership that lasted until 1938. During the first year of their acquaintance, Bartok taught Seike about his ethnographic fieldwork, and he offered suggestions for and approval of Seike's duet arrangement of Romanian folk dances before the work was published in 1926. Bartok often considered it fruitful to collaborate with performers, and in his writings he supported performers' individual interpretations, stating that there could be no single ideal performance of any one piece, and acknowledging that elements such as timbre and intonation, that's tone quality, um, cannot be precisely notated, but will be decided upon by performers. He wrote, quote, the interpretation of folk music is very similar to the interpretation of great artists. There is no set uniformity. There is the same diversity in perpetual transformation, end quote. Some in the Hungarian press described Bartok and Seke's playing in nationalist terms as conveying a quintessentially Hungarian sound. A critic in the Segedi Noplo wrote, quote, Seke is a real pearl in the history of the violin to the glory of Hungarian art, end quote. In a similar spirit, Olodar Tot wrote in the Peshti Noplo that the two were, quote, the pride of Hungary, one of Hungarian composition, the other of Hungarian violin playing, end quote. Tot recognized, or sorry, characterized their performances as pure and authentic, lacking, quote, any restraint or artificial coloring, end quote, but expressing the music, quote, in the straightest way and in its naked truth, end quote. Addressing the duo's interpretations of Bartok's folk music arrangements, Tote writes, quote, in its shaking volcanic outbursts, in its pagan mystic shiverings, in its ancient melancholy, painful melodies, and finally blood-boiling wild outbursts, this miraculous vision of the world has never been painted more distinctly than by these artists, end quote. Tote combines the languages of nationalism and primitivism to argue that art music performance can represent something authentic about the nature of rural populations and national identities. In preparing for performances, Bartok played his wax cylinder field recordings for both violinist Seke and Sigidi, who collaborated with Bartok from 1920s from the 1920s. In 1928, Bartok showed Seke his two rhapsodies for accompanied violin, which were based on Romanian folk music and dedicated to both violinists. Seke recalled, quote, later that evening, after the excitement of seeing the new rhapsodies, uh, Bartok invited me to listen with him to the early recordings of his folk music collection, end quote. In his book, Sigidi on the Violin, Sigidi writes, quote, I see Bartok in his villa in the hills of Buda, his tables, couch, and piano littered with those hard-earned discs of folk fiddlers, mostly unaccompanied, which he had recorded during many epic years of folklore exploration. He plays them to me while I follow the literal transcriptions he's made, end quote. Despite their direct contact with the sounds of Bartok's research findings, however, the following brief sound examples demonstrate that Sigidi and Seke did not attempt in playing Romanian folk dances to sound precisely like these ethnographic sources. So we'll listen here to the beginning of both violinists' recordings of the same movement. The first is Sigidi with Bartok at the piano recorded in 1930. These violinists play in an idiom prescribed by their conservatory training, of course. Their timbres are generally clear and crisp, and they're basically in tune. But in their recordings, they produce stylized sonic gestures that represent common urban conceptions of the timbral and rhythmic characteristics of rural violin performance, as well as the spontaneity and expressive authenticity many associated with rural musicality. 
Thus, in their recordings of Romanian folk dances, they both aimed to evoke a myth of a rural fiddler, spruce up for urban listeners who were familiar with this character type, often featured in literature, the arts, and popular mythologies, as an untrained but naturally gifted musician who plays spontaneously and soulfully on a travel-worn instrument. Seke describes one such performance technique in a discussion of Bartok's second rhapsody, reporting that he played the fast portion of the piece with a marked articulation. That is, instead of playing smoothly, he played with stops before each bow change, stating, uh, sorry, uh, and he described this as, quote, on the string in the peasant style, end quote. And Bartok apparently approved, stating, quote, you played it very well, you played it like a peasant, end quote. Sigeti likewise explains his techniques for evoking rural playing in the first Rhapsody. He devised a complicated scheme of fingering the start of the fast section in a passage easily played with consecutive fingers in the first position on one string. So that means with no, necess no necessity to change the bow, no moving of the hand, so everything is much easier, it sounds much smoother. Um, instead of doing that, he adopted an awkward positioning of the left hand that requires the violinist to perform challenging string crossings and shifts. That's shifts with this hand. Sigeti writes that Bartok agreed that this passage should be played on two strings, quote, in order to bring out the folk fiddler quality of the tune, instead of with the normal comfortable fingering marked underneath, which makes of it something citified, that is, like, like played in the city, lacking in precisely the character he was aiming for. The work breathes this folk music outdoor atmosphere, end quote. Sigeti and Seke's interpretations of Romanian folk dances in their alterations of the score's rhythmic prescriptions, the heaviness of their bow strokes, and the sort of crunchy sounding chords that suggest a style of dance motion depict an emphatic, partly improvisational, and aggressively physical performance that comes closer to depicting the ideological conceptions of rural dance described by Tote and others than the sounds of the wax cylinder. Thanks. These violinist representations of the rural Romanian fiddler's music thus evoke a mythologized folk musicianship. In creating a style for the performance of Bartok's folk music arrangements, Sigeti and Seke combine the influence of their discussions with Bartok about his ethnographic discoveries with elements associated in popular and often nationalist mythologies with the performance techniques of rural musicians. In 1915, Bartok used another wax cylinder phonograph to record himself playing Romanian folk dances on his piano at home. He had employed the same cylinder in 1913 to capture the sounds of his string player during a trip to North Africa. And because the earlier recording was of higher quality, that is, the, the uh, needle etched more deeply into the wax, when the cylinder is played back, the strains of the African musicians playing emerge partway through Bartok's performance and gradually eclipse the sound of the violin. Okay, I hope you were able to hear that. Uh, what one hears when listening to this cylinder is an inadvertent duet between Bartok at the piano and one of his ethnographic subjects. This accidental spectral synthesis of performances from across time and space recalls Bartok's dependence on sound recording at numerous stages of his process of ethnography, composition, and performance, as well as the considerable degree of invention and change involved in the journey of a folk melody from its original performance before the gramophone trumpet to its broadcast as a studio recording of professional musicians on the parlor record player. Thanks very much. Thank you.